Welcome to our first ever Dry Podcast with the legend, Dominic McGregor, CEO of and founder of Fearless Adventures and former COO yep. of Social Chain. He's going to join us today to talk about his adventures in sobriety, his alcohol-free superpowers, and all the benefits and joys of being alcohol-free. Dom, you're our first guest on our new Dry podcast. Which means I also have the most views. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Th- thank you so much for joining Record us. Record-breaking. Yes. Record-breaking podcast. Yeah. Myself and Andy have trekked all the way up from London, only to be told at the desk <laughs> that you were doing a podcast in, in London on Monday. So, uh, But it's lovely. We're in Wilmslow yes. in Cheshire. Cheshire, yeah. And we, me have you ever been this far north? Well, we were talking about when we were here. We got out of Wimslow Station. We were trying to decide, is there going to be a coffee shop or not? Um, and we found a whole town centre, which is actually beautiful. And loads of nice well, cars driving. Like, we didn't know really, did we? Cars, <laughs> yeah, you know, oil lamps. The, fact that the train from Manchester was only £4, which we couldn't get over. Yeah, um, yeah. So we were already amazed. Yeah. But when we got to Wilmslow, we saw all the cars driving around. And we were like, this is actually really nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just pulled up in a, in a SUV, Rolls-Royce, yeah. Matt. Yeah. Like, nice. yeah, so thank you for having us. No problem. Um, the format of this podcast is very relaxed, casual. You know, the, the whole dry ethos is to be fun, vibrant, positive, and energetic. So we just want to start off by, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell us a bit about what's going on in your life right now? What are you up to? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm filming a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but me, um, Dominic McGregor, entrepreneur, 29 years old, founded one company called Social Chain, built that, exited that, took it to the stock exchange in August 2020, realised I wasn't enjoying it anymore, and basically said to myself, what do I want to do? Um, and I wanted to build a, a business which um, invests and supports founders, and that's what I do now with Fears Adventures. Um, I've been sober since 24th of July, 2016. Whoa. So it's like, well now, six and almost six and a half years. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me, and um, looking forward to chatting. You know, I know you guys probably got a hundred questions, and we <laughs> can tell some very insightful things for listeners, and I just want to reiterate that, you know, your guys' mission, and what you guys are trying to build with Dry, is fantastic you know from someone who's experienced the benefits of sobriety over the past six and a half years even just for someone to take a tactical break yeah over a period of time to see the benefits i think is so powerful important and, and you know i wish you the best in the mission and i'm looking forward to the chat today brilliant and then just on that note so probably for what, half of your entrepreneurial career you've been alcohol free um, a f- a two thirds now. Two thirds. Yeah, I'm actually now officially sober longer than I've legally been allowed to drink. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty so, powerful, isn't it? Yeah, because it was five, six, and six odd years, eleven years since I could drink. Now I'm over that point of being sober longer than I can legally drink. And you're drink. almost at that point where they talk about every seven years, every cell in your body regenerates. Oh my god. So you're almost <laughs> at the point where your body will never have known alcohol. That's crazy. Which is pretty cool. And all the chewing gum will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's seven years as well, isn't is it? Is that right? Swallowing chewing gum, yeah. Is that what they say? Seven years as well. Yeah. Chewing gum. No, you're unstoppable. <laughs> and just on that note, this is why we're really interested to catch up with yourself because obviously you've had this massive entrepreneurial success and for most of it, two thirds, you haven't been drinking. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, that classic young guy, huge success, yep. all the trappings of that success would tend to lead you down a certain path, which I guess it did. It did, yeah. To a degree. Yeah. But you've come out the other side of that and you've still been incredibly entrepreneurial since yep. then. You've made some massive decisions. So I'd be really interested to know a bit more about how that felt making that decision and the benefits. Yeah, and look, I think the 
the young aspect of success is very rare. You know, mm -hmm. you, you tend to, you know, see people who have been thrown into the pits of success from like be it like actors or musicians, and they go off the rails. You know, Lindsay Lohan, Justin Bieber, all these people, and like you know, what I achieved was completely much much more scale to what they ever got close to. But I can see the kind of damage you can do yeah. from a young person having access to resources, be it money, be it time, that most people don't have. No one's telling them what to do. And the playbook of like looking at people out there in the media of what you should do. And you kind of deter to this idea of it's all about getting to the nightclub, getting bottles, being with girls, and that's what you know you should be doing as a, as a young guy. Um, and that's what I did. You know, I, um, I had a huge um, relationship with Celebration, you know, because we had some fantastic success in the business really, really early. And it was all about celebrating it. And that celebration was one thing. It was about getting drunk and having a great time. Yeah. And that celebration continued. And um, what I didn't realise is that um, as the celebrations increase, so the kind of the commiserations. And as, a, as an entrepreneur and a founder, you are only responsible for the negative sides by yourself. You can enjoy the celebrations with the account managers, with the people in the business, the salespeople, because everyone's involved in those celebrations. But the shit that you deal with comes back to you. And as I, as the entrepreneur journey goes on, what, what I never realise is that the it's never just a straight line of success. There's always punches along the way. And um, I would then do the same thing I did with celebrations, is that when the negatives come, I would turn to drink. So if I have a bad day, I'd drink. And I'd be like, okay, get out of my problem. If it was a good day, I'd be like, drinking, yes, this is amazing, great. You know, we just won a great account. So it became my response yeah. to life, ultimately. And as both of those things accelerated, and the negatives accelerate even quicker than the positives because, um, like most people, when you have a high of winning um, a big, big, big account, be it like an Amazon or Coca-Cola, next week when you win maybe like a slightly lesser brand, doesn't hit the same yeah. because you're looking for the, the next high, it has to be bigger. So actually the highs become lower, but the, the downsides become much, much more poignant. And the, the risk becomes bigger and the feelings become deeper and you find yourself going down a route where you just experience negative aspects. So for me, I was still drinking in those moments and drink was my answer to dealing with my problems. Um, and what I realized at 23 years old is that I couldn't handle my problems with drink. Yeah. And my answer wasn't continue to drink because the drinking started to cause me more problems. You know, I could deal with the stuff in business and life, but when you add on the damage, what I, who I call drunk Dom, it was a drunk version of me. It was a great guy. <laughs> but the damage he was doing to sober me in terms of relationships, friendships, business contacts and health and well-being, that became so detrimental that it actually made the problems in my life just amplify umpteen times. Yeah. yeah. I find, and what I find fascinating about your story is you were 23. Yeah. So 23, so that takes an awful amount of courage for anybody to go sober at any age. And in our case, and in many cases, it's usually around the age of 35, 40, when people have had a long career of drinking mm. and really damaged themselves and really feel the benefit. What is it you think, was it the pain point that was so strong at the age of 23 to make you make that decision to have the courage to see it through? Um, or was it something else? I think the, the, I was in such a unique situation, you know, you had a level of responsibility at 23. So, I'm already an anomaly and I'm, I'm already starting to feel a little bit isolated in myself as, as a person. My friends can't resonate with my problems because, you know, they're in a completely different life to me. So I already felt like a bit of an outcast and the, the power of drinking is that you can go into your head and forget everything. So I was using it for that and a lot of medication. I think um, if I really come down to it, the there was no choice. I had to 
I had a purpose and I had a company and I had responsibilities, which was much more important to me um, that I had to reject traditional lifestyle. You know, 23 year old guy, stop drinking, what do you do on next Friday? All your mates are still going out, everything's still the same. But I had to sit there and say, I can't have it in my life because what I've got in the other hand and what I'm trying to achieve here is so important to me and so much potential that unfortunately I have to take a different path. And that path of choosing the sobriety was more diff difficult than choosing the dropout university path. You know, but I actually took a lot of comfort from the fact that I'm already going against the grain. Yeah, I'm already choosing a different route. This is just another avenue, I guess, of that journey. Where, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw it in my face. I'm going to miss social occasions. I'm going to miss out on these things. And I've got, you know, so young still. But for me, it was, it was no choice. And then on that note, how did you sort of restitch your social life back together? Because again, everything I'd assume at twenty thirty, like it did for us, evolves around alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you make that big decision, and I understand that now because you've got all this responsibility. What did you do in those early weeks, months? So for me, um, the first couple of months were coping. Mm. It was just like chalk, chalking off weekends. You know, it was it was living in Monday to Friday, but they're all the way around. You know, Monday to Friday I was fine. Yeah. Work was busy, like great. Comes to Saturday, Friday night, I'd be like, oh, I hate, <laughs> uh, what do I do? So I'd find myself doing like ridiculous stuff. I, I had a strategy where I'd always put something in very early morning, um, which would be like, get me up and responsible for. And I'd make sure that I was around people who I always feel safe and secure if so I'd be like family friends who knew about what I was going through. Um, so I'd do some, I'd do super stuff, you know, exercise became a big part of it, you know, doing a lot of running, um, signing up to 10Ks on Sunday morning and like, yeah, this is a challenge. Um, became a huge part of, stitch my life together from a social aspect you know it really took um six months and i think it was the the christmas party for the first time so stopping in july the christmas party was in the first time people saw me in the company present in an occasion around alcohol and i had a great time i went there i showed up i, I was laughing i was funny i was dancing and people couldn't couldn't get it they couldn't yeah. see me in that situation I'm like how are you fine i'm like the reason i'm fine is because i've not been to any other occasion for six months I've avoided everything. Avoidance was a big part of my strategy. But because now I feel confident in myself that I don't need to drink, I can come to these occasions, show up, turn up, and be my best version of myself because they're not every weekend now. Yeah. They're once they're once a quarter. So what, I, what I've what i kind of done, yeah, my, my, I've tapered off my going out, you know, settled down, got a, got a fiance, spent a lot of time with her doing normal stuff. But I will still make sure that I show up for those occasions where... Um, they're big, you know, weddings, birthdays, big celebrations, festivals, and I'll be there and I'll put my all in um, and I'll do that sober. So yeah, it's, it's uh, the restitching was very difficult because um, you've got to fundamentally take away every single aspect of what you had already yeah. from the, the, the Friday night outs with friends, the Thursday night drinks at work, the networking in business, and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for a dog walk now. Yeah. And I think what's amazing with you is well, you're now six years, is it? Six years yeah, alcohol free. Six years, yeah. And what what excites us about what we've seen only in two and a half years of being alcohol free is the acceleration of the movement and the excitement around it, and the fact there's a lot of young people coming through. Mm -hmm. You know, Harry Styles, people on Love Island not drinking, which is like fascinating. My kids coming through, you know, they're at the age of 13, 14, and you know they're not drinking. There's no drink involved. And at our age, it certainly was. How far and how much have you seen the alcohol-free sp space change and evolve over the last six years? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is when you tell people at 23, you're going to serve and no one understands. 
but telling people at 29 that I'm six years sober, everyone, everyone gets it. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big, that's a big thing, you know. For, 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 that's, that's just everything, because now I tell someone sober, no one questions it. Yeah. Go, oh, well done. I'm very impressed. At 23, it was like, what are you doing? What do you mean, what are you doing? And I think that feeling, that, you know, which I experienced at 29 is starting to get more common, younger and younger and younger. So the fact that, you know, someone who's 23 now tells people I'm going to go sober, they're not going to be met with the reactions that we had and what you had when you first went sober yeah. through your boss telling you you're stupid. You have a much more positive reaction. So um, something that may have existed in older generations where it's a health decision, maybe kind of extend life, and slowly come down to people appreciating that lifestyle choice is a better one and a positive one. And ultimately, it's, it's in my opinion, alcohol is going to end up being like cigarettes, where, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you know, couldn't go anywhere without everyone smoking. The rooms would be full of smoke. We'd be sat here probably smoking in the 60s. And now it's a faux pas. You know, it's a faux pas. If someone smokes and you go, it's a bit, you know, but with alcohol, I think it'll go the same way. And I think it'll go much quicker than we think it will. I think it'll be the next 20, 30 years where it's viewed in that sense. 2033 will be. <laughs> but I believe, I genuinely believe the same thing. I think we couldn't see it with smoking. And now if someone was to light up, it's just like, oh, that's just, yeah. it just doesn't feel acceptable. I genuinely believe that's why the whole try movement, the alcohol-free movement is, is going to accelerate at a really fast pace. And we discussed about, you know, the investment of the big beer brands now getting behind the alcohol-free alternatives mm -hmm. that they're promoting and those trillions of dollars flooding into the industry that my girls are now waking up and seeing a different advert on their screens, whether they're watching Man United play football or mm -hmm. rugby or whatever it is. And I think the whole movement is accelerating at such a fast rate, which is so exciting. Well, these things always spread... These things are always spread quicker when they're actually valuable. Yeah. It's like any message. If, if it has substance behind it and genuine authenticity, people listen. And this is what it's got. You know, the, yeah. you know we, we talk about it. As, I always talk about it being, being a superpower. You know, yeah, imagine there was a way to... Imagine this was the picture. You know, sit there to any 21-year-old and you say, I'm going to give you something and you have to do it where you're going to have more energy. You're going to have more, more time. You're going to feel better in yourself and your well-being and your mental health and all of it will save you a ton of money there's no one no one would say no to that as a proposition yeah that is what everyone seems to be searching for and as you as we said before everyone does that self-diagnosis where the last thing they question is their relationship with alcohol but i think that questioning of their relationship with alcohol is now slowly coming up the the, the list of things to consider totally and i think that's where the big change is coming from instead of People taking that self-diagnosis of being two, three years of questioning everything else, my exercise, my sleep, my relationships, my job, the alcohol question is coming higher up. And I think that's where we get really great change is that if that's the second or third question someone goes to, rather than the 50th question, yeah. that's where change will occur. Because they'll t test it, they'll get all those positives we spoke about, and they'll go, wow, this is amazing, why would I ever go back? Yeah, and just on that note, on the benefits, what are the big benefits that you've noticed? Some of the obvious ones and then some of the hidden ones that you've found over the last six years. Yeah, so um, I think for me, everyone's got kind of got a different, different yeah. story. So uh, my, my biggest benefit is that it's allowed me to deal with my problems in healthier ways. Mm -hmm. Instead of drinking and forgetting and then the problems mounting, it's a case of, clear mind, I've got to deal with this problem, I can't forget it, you know, the, the number of alcohol is very powerful, it does help you forget and you wake up the next day and go, oh, it was all. So it now allows me to deal with more problems. So it gives me, and that then just builds confidence, it yeah. builds conviction, it builds uh, resilience, where now when think I'm faced with anything, I know I can deal with it. So that's been the, my single biggest um, benefit. 
But alongside that, you know, then you throw in the fact that I, I sleep like a baby. Absolutely. So the head hits the pillow <laughs> and it's fantastic. And I never realised until you speak to people difficultly how we sleep it. Because it, you know, the, the idea of an alcohol, you have a couple of late night, nights out because the party doesn't stop at 10, it stops at 2, 3, 4. The impact I can have on sleep and the focus the next level, next week, next next week when it comes to work is is just not there. So for me, it's the, the sleep, which then factors into, again, recovery and be able to process things. And then um, I'd say the money side, but my, my, my partner drinks champagne like it's water. <laughs> um, so I've actually probably spent more on alcohol. Um, but no, it's, it's that and um, it's, the, it's the clarity in the mind, constant clarity in your mind and be able to always think long-term rather than losing your ambitions and thinking tonight or right now. It's to be able to always have the conviction and confidence that the future is going to be great. Yeah, I think for me personally, like that's one of the things, there are many of the things that keep me sober because it's not about like getting tempted to go back into a bar, it's, it's the sleep, it's things like sleep. I know if I have a drink tonight, my sleep's getting destroyed and not only the quantity of it, but the quality of it. And that's putting me on the back foot for the next day and so on and so on. So I think that's what we're so excited about this whole thing, isn't it? Like, we're just so passionate about it because we live and breathe it ourselves. It's so great to hear your story, the same, exactly the same message. Yeah, it's that confidence thing that you mentioned. I think it's really important you learn that resilience to deal with your mm. problems, celebrate, commiserate, weddings, speaking on stage. Mm. All of these things, and I, I'm really introverted, and and have been in many ways. And it was alcohol that allowed me to become this yep. extrovert. D so the, the Dutch courage. Yeah, and when yeah. I took that away, I had to retrain to socialise again. I had to retrain to stand on a stage and deliver a talk yep. or a TED talk or whatever it was. They were massive moments that I overcame without alcohol, and you get to keep that resilience, yep. that strength, that confidence, and then all of a sudden you become like bulletproof. Yeah, in many ways. Sobriety over time gives you everything you think alcohol gives you in the short term. Mm. Mm. And you know, like you said, the Dutch courage to go up and stand and do a talk, the confidence to go and talk to someone you're interested in, or just to be able to handle a social situation. People turn to alcohol for that and uh, it works. You know, it does, but ultimately it's a depressant. It's gonna work in the moment, but it's not gonna work tomorrow morning. Mm. And tomorrow morning it's actually gonna make you worse because you're gonna have anxiety, hangover, BFA, whatever you wanna call it. Sobriety, you and also you forget you forget that confidence because you drink too much and then the, the reinforcement's not there with sobriety you, you remember every single instance you have so you just build up this level of confidence of being able to do things mm. because it's so ingrained in you and you know it gives you that feeling of what drink you search for in a drink and that, that's the, that's the craziest thing is that yeah, sobriety gives you everything you think alcohol can give you. Love it. And on that note, you mentioned earlier about drunk dom. Yeah, yeah, good guy. <laughs> fun guy. Drunk dom. How really fun guy. <laughs> how have you evolved in terms of your leadership style since those days? Because I guess when you're that character, and I was that character, you get known as being that character. It's a bit larger than life. Yep. It's always fun to be around, but always has a couple of drinks, and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's more of a bumbling sort of like, as opposed to someone that's got that stature of real confidence? Yeah, I think for me, I was always likeable. Yeah. You know, it was very easy to like me, and that's something that clients and people in the company always had, is like, no one ever disliked me. And that's something I'm probably, among my anxieties in life, is to be liked. Yeah, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy people's company. Um, what I probably failed to do as a leader was transition that like into respect. Mm. Because when you're drunk, you don't necessarily drive respect from people. So what I managed to do is that I've still managed to kind of build that relationship with people from the likability aspect, but I've definitely got, uh, well, at least I think I've got a much more better at the respect side of things in terms of 
people listening to me when it comes to ideas, when it comes to issues and being able to give obviously negative feedback. And um, that is something that I never had when I was younger. I always had the likeable part, but you know, like you say, a little bit of a likeable buffoon almost aspect. So yeah, sobriety has definitely um, built that. And I think a big part of that was building a little bit of distance between me and the team, um, having that kind of level of distance because um, when you're so close and you see people at their worst when they're drunk and they do stupid stuff, it's very hard to turn Monday morning and, and take instructions from someone who you've just seen potentially, you know, ass out, yeah. tits, you know, whatever on the, on the weekend. So um, for me, it's, yeah, that was that was a big part in the leadership thing was um, being able to give respect. And it's, it's crazy because um, I think, I think I, re- I achieved so much respect just by going sober. Yeah. yeah. Just by achieving it. People go, I could never do that. It's very impressive. And it's it was almost like an, an unspoken badge of honour. Yeah. And people went, that was very, that's very impressive. And it's very fascinating that, especially people in the company who saw me transition from a drunken state to this, they were in awe a little bit of the growth. And like you say, sobriety is the best personal development tool because it gives you time to work on yourself. So yeah, it, it, the growth I experienced in like two, three years of sobriety was more than you'd ever experience in anyone's career, I think, for, for in, in myself. And yeah. then on that note, you mentioned also coming out of social chain yep. to start Fearless Adventures now. That's another massive decision in your life. How did that play out again with your sobriety? Did you think that aided that decision in terms of the, the clarity and the confidence to, to step aside? Yeah, the confidence was a big part of it. You know, the assurance that I could, you know, the imposter syndrome aspect of running a company, you know, do you feel like you've got your only golden ticket? Do you feel like this is the, this is the one or yeah. do you back yourself to be able to go and do it again? And for me, it was, um, I felt like I could go, go and do it again. So I kind of had that ability to, to, to jump ship ultimately. Um, that being said, the, I always talk about the, the thing that caused me the problems when I was drinking was social chain. You know, it was the, it was me and social chain. I couldn't yeah. deal with the problem social chain was giving me, but it was also my solution, yeah. having the purpose. So that was the first time in my life where I've had no purpose. I've, I've, I was associated from the age of 19, um, founded it at 19, stopped drinking at 23 when I'd been there, and then left it at 27. And for me, I'd never known sober without purpose. Mm-hmm. And it really, I really struggled that transition because a lot of the reason I went sober was for social chain. Move that away from me and I started to flirt with the idea of, well, maybe, you know, go back to drinking or maybe mm-hmm. have a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took me a long time to kind of again, retrain myself to know that the sobriety is part of my identity, which is part of who I am, but it's also the, the makes me the best version of myself. And that regardless of social and being there, sobriety needs to be there. And that took a while. And when you've made yourself the best version of yourself, you talk about in, you know, in talking about the people in the office, you know, bad, good and bad. But when you've done it, obviously we talk about the ripple effect quite often mm-hmm. where you, you, know, you inspire other people. And with dry, we're hoping to create like a tidal wave effect and really accelerate the movement. When you went a so- A dry tidal wave. A dry tidal wave. So yes. no one's getting worse. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is, yeah, I don't think that's for actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, is, new metaphor. Yeah, there we go. We'll come up with a new one later. Um, did you did you know, um, notice people you were inspiring around you, friends, family, colleagues? Um, it's, it's, there's a, with sobriety, there's a little bit of guilt that people have around you when they drink and they question themselves, which then leads them to make decisions. So it's, it's, I have almost feel like first it comes to a point of guilt and then it becomes inspiration. But there's definitely, you know, four or five people at Social Chain went sober during the time there and they, they said, you know, you, you inspired me. Um, which was, you know, for me, I was always blown away by those people closest to me, you know, probably quietest who's, who took these changes. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, it, um, 
I'm always blown away by people that message you. You guys would be the same, people reaching out and saying, yeah. I'm always blown away. And it always kind of really, really, you know, I read every single one of them and it really just blows my mind that me just talking about it has inspired people to stop. And I've, it just, I just can't get that. I can't still to this day, can't understand that, you know, me just saying how I felt is impacts people. And that, that's something I'll always, always hold dear to me and always blown away about. Brilliant. Yeah, and I know you do a lot of public speaking now. Yeah. Well, I guess that went quiet over the, over the COVID period. How did you find that as well, just sharing that message? <clears throat> uh, it's very it's difficult because the the message refines a little bit over time. You know, doing that first TED Talk I did when I, I was two years sober That's right. was like nerve-wracking, <laughs> raw, emotional. I'm so glad I did it Yeah. because it was so different now, but it was so emotional, so raw, so real. And that I wanted that to be the first time that I stood up and talked about it and it was, and it, it, I've not watched it back, I never will watch it back, but I just feel that it's great to have that out there because it's a very poignant moment in my life. Now, six and a half years in, it's a very different message, it's a very more, I've thought about it a lot more, I've told it a lot more, and it's not as emotional, but it's still very real, and what I try and reiterate to people, and the thing I'm trying to hone in on now, is like, I'm not someone who chose to go sober for, for health because I was drinking a little bit, and I chose to I was that lad. I was yeah. that kind of person. And I, I really want to hammer that home to people is that, um, you know, the, the drive, the, you know, the spectrum of sobriety is, 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 is always growing. People, you know, making the choice for well-being and health. But I sit in the kind of more heavy category yeah. of, you know, you know, you've got to make a choice or otherwise you're going to fuck yourself here. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot more people who will sleepwalk into that category, especially men, who will go through that, that life of having this habitual um, problem who will not do anything about it until it's too late. And then they'll have to have a massive dramatic switch. Well, I want people to understand that if they feel like they're sleepwalking into that, ca- into that category, there's another option. And that option is much more better. Much more better? Better. <laughs> and that option is dry. And that option is dry. <laughs> yeah, and that's so true. And I think that's all, what we're about, really, is that trying to be out there and inspiring people so they don't drift yeah. into that place. Yeah. It's not. It's almost yeah. like that sleepwalking, yeah. as you described into it. It's like, yeah. they're awake. Oh, hold on, there is alcohol-free alternative. Yeah. There's incredibly successful people athletes, entrepreneurs, whatever it is, getting great results by not drinking, and that might be that penny drop moment of actually, before I get there, maybe I'll try this yeah, thing. Yeah, and, it being, and also part of it being cool. Yeah. You know, pe- people are influenced by those around them, and um, you know, if, you, if, you, if you can go out and to go to nightclubs and be sober, people are just literally looking. I, what, it sounds weird, but when I go out, I have cups of tea. Just like a cup of tea. So literally, you'll see me in the club, and I'll be there. With <laughs> and people come up to me like I'm a bloody ghost. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't drink. And I'm like, yeah, it's just having a cup of tea. And um, when people see it, and they 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 see you can live these situations, sobriety, and you can have those cool moments, people are much more likely to to make their choice. And that's what we've done with dry. We're making it cool. We're making it a cool space. It's you know it's been designed like that. And you'll notice on the spelling of dry, we've got two Y's. And the reason it's got two Y's is because we had two strong Y's that we come together to create. So my Y was I wanted to take the alcohol-free space global. I wanted to make a real dent in the world. I wanted to like go and inspire as many people as I can all over the world and create events all over the world. And Andy had a strong Y that was to change the world's relationship with alcohol. And that's why we put the two Y's in the end. The final question we have on our podcast, and the first person you're gonna, I'm going to ask it to is you. Um, what are your two strongest whys as to, as to why I suppose you're, you're, um, you continue the alcohol-free journey? Yeah, I think going back to the point on alcohol is that um, it removes your inhibitions, so you, you think only long-term. And that is something I think I've always had. 
I think the reason why I had out problems in the first place is because I was thinking long term and think about the future and never dwell in the past and then that created anxieties that work led to me. So I live in the future and I think I've got um, a promise to my future self, my future family to be there and be that person. So it's a, it's a promise to my future self that I'm going to be the best version of myself. So that's number one. Um, and that's my family, kind of family around me. The second why is, um, it's probably again ex- existential a little bit, is that, uh, and this is something I've learned over time, is that unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but the reason I managed to go sober is because I was very public about it. I told people, I told friends, I told family. And I am now accountable to thousands of people. Mm. And I just can't let them down. Mm. And I, every, single t- every single time I tell someone I'm sober, every single time I talk about it, to you guys now, I'm accountable to you, you know, you will one day, you might one day look on my LinkedIn and see that I've relapsed and I will think, how will Andy feel in that moment? Yeah. You know, he'll go, oh, the idiot should have called me. Or I should, you know, he, he had options. And that's how I feel. And I do feel accountable to every single person I say um, that I'm sober to. So the second why is that, again, sharing your mission is that if I can continue to push the, the message in a positive way, I have no choice. <laughs> I have no choice, honestly. I have no choice but to, to do it yeah. for everyone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Brilliant. All the way. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on our first ever podcast. We're really Did excited. It. We've got to set the bar yes. high now. We've set Did the bar it. high. Record breaking. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much, mate. No worries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, as always, I wish you guys the best. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Cool. cool. Hope you enjoyed our first ever episode. Don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, share, dry. You can do that by downloading, subscribing, and let your friends know what about the right podcast. Thanks.